Hello everyone and welcome to the Mimetic Exegete podcast. I'm your host, Simon Skidmore. In this series, we've been working our way through the book of Isaiah. The prophet begins by condemning the mistreatment and oppression of the poor by Israel's rulers. Isaiah prophesies a day of reckoning, a kind of new exodus in which Israel's poor and marginalized are liberated from the rulers who oppress them. Following the downfall of these rulers, Israel will flourish, becoming a righteous and prosperous nation as they serve as a positive example for the other peoples to imitate. The next section of the book, The Oracles Against the Nations, foretell the destruction of Israel and their ancient Near Eastern neighbours. Although Isaiah's prophecies may seem strange to his contemporaries, the prophet assures his listeners that the Lord will bring about his purposes by inciting the nations to destroy one another. As we read on from chapter 29 verse 1, Isaiah describes the distress of Ariel, that is Judah, translated literally as either the mountain of God, altar of God, or lion of God. Ah, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David encamped. Add year to year, let the feasts run around. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be moaning and lamentation, and she shall be to me like an Ariel. And I will encamp against you all around. I will besiege you with towers, and I will raise seas works against you, and you will be brought low. From the earth you shall speak, and from the dust your speech will be bowed down. Your voice shall come from the ground like the voice of a ghost, and from the dust your speech shall whisper. But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing chaff. And in an instant, suddenly, you will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquake and a great noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, all that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her, shall be like a dream, like a vision of the night. As when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating, and he awakes with his hunger not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking, and awakes faint, with his thirst not quenched. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Astonish yourselves and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind. Be drunk, but not with wine. Stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep, and has closed your eyes, the prophets, and covered your heads, the seers. And the vision of all this has come to you like the words of a book that is sealed, when men give it to one who can read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot, because it is sealed. And when they give it to the book to one who cannot read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot read. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honour me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by man. Therefore, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with a wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of the wise shall perish, and the discernment of the discerning shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us and knows us? 
you shall turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me? Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffer cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off. Who by a word make a man out to be an offender, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they shall sacrifice my name. They will sacrifice the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding and those who murmur will accept instruction. By applying the name Ariel to Judah, the oracle employs a play on words. While Judah was once hailed as Ariel, God's lion and the centre of Israelite cultic worship, God vows to transform Judah into an Ariel, that is an altar, as he sacrifices the tribe to enemy armies. Notice again the cosmic, apocalyptic imagery of earthquakes, fire and whirlwinds are employed to describe the mimetic violence inflicted upon Judah. This warfare will be surreal, as if it were a dream of a hungry man who dreams of eating yet awakes to find his desire has not yet been satisfied, or the dream of a thirsty man who dreams of drinking but awakes to find he is still thirsty. In other words, the armies will invade Judah and they'll be driven by mimetic desire. Even though they gorge themselves on the bloodshed all day in battle, they awake the next day with a renewed appetite for violence that is never quenched. The Lord intoxicates Judah and her enemies with mimetic violence, blinding their eyes and deafening them to the words of the prophets, which might just save them. They have become unable to understand Isaiah's oracles, as if his words were sealed or they could just not read them. Judah's carefully cultivated religious facade conceals the mimetic desire which rages beneath. Although the people perform the correct religious ceremonies and speak piously, their hearts are far from God. Isaiah assures them that God sees past this facade and will punish Judah for her hypocrisy. Yet again, the prophet ends his oracle with a note of hope. Following Judah's judgment, those who were once blinded by mimetic violence and deafened to the word of the Lord will perceive and understand God's revelation. They will see God's work and be overcome with holy awe. Judah will then be characterized by meekness and joy as the poor and marginalized are exalted and their oppressors humbled. This new mimetic movement of humility and kindness grows as others imitate the positive example of these righteous people. By these means, those who wander and murmur will come to understanding and accept instruction.
Reading on now from chapter 30. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. For though his officials are at Zoan and his envoys reach Hanes, everyone comes to shame through a people that cannot profit them, that brings neither help nor profit, but shame and disgrace. An Oracle of the Beasts of the Negev Through a land of trouble and anguish, from where come the lions and the lion? Their adder and the fiery flying serpent, they carry their riches on the backs of donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels to a people that cannot profit them. Egypt's health is worthless and empty. Therefore, I have called her Rahab, who just sits and does nothing. And now, go write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be for the time to come as a witness forever. For they are a rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, Do not see, and to the prophets, Do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy illusions, leave the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Therefore thus says the Holy One of Israel, Because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a branch in a high wall bulging out and about to collapse, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant, and its breaking is like that of a potter's vessel that is smashed so ruthlessly that among its fragments not a shard is found with which to take fire from the heath or to dip up water out of the cistern. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon stiff swedes. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift, A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left, like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself any more. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right or to the left, when you defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images, you will scatter them as unclean things, and you will say to them, Be gone! And he will give rain for the seed with which you will sow the ground, and bread the produce of the ground, which will be rich and plentiness. 
In that day, your livestock will graze in large pastures, and the oxen and the donkeys that work the ground will eat seasoned fodder, which has been winnowed with a shovel and fork. And on every lofty mountain and every high hill there will be brooks running with water. In the day of the great slaughter, when the towers fall, Moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. In the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with anger and in thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury. His tongue is like a devouring fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream that reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of destruction and to place upon the jaws of the peoples a bridle that leads astray. You shall have a song in the night when a holy feast is kept and gladness of heart as when one sets out to the sound of the flute to go to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. And the Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard and descending blow of his arm to be seen in furious anger and a flaming of devouring fire with a cloudburst and storm and hailstones. The Assyrians will be terror stricken at the voice of the Lord when he strikes with his rod and every stroke of the appointed staff that the Lord lays upon them will be to the sound of tambourines and lyres. Battling with brandished arm, he will fight with them. For a burning place has long been prepared. Indeed, for the king it is made ready. Its pyre made deep and wide, with fire and wood in abundance. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of sulphur, kindles it. Israel's complete destruction is described as a wall which bends and bows and eventually crumbles to pieces. Or a pot a clay pot which is smashed into smithereens and no longer useful for any purpose. In response to their rebellion, the Lord disempowers Israel so that a thousand of them will flee at one single attacker, rendering them incapable of defending themselves. The Lord employs affliction and adversity as a teacher to educate the people that they might understand the destructive consequences of their mimetic desire and violence. By these means, the Lord hopes to humble Israel that they might return to him and he can once again bless them and show them mercy. In humility, the people can then repent from their sin and their idols and move forward into a new prosperous future. Again, in scenes reminiscent of the Passover, the Lord brings destruction upon Israel's enemies and leads them away into exile while Israel are rejoiced, singing and playing with tambourines. The Lord promises to destroy Assyria along with its king who has a funeral pyre pre-prepared and the breath of the Lord like the breath of sulfur, that is mimetic rivalry and violence, will kindle the fire to burn his body. Let's read on now from chapter 31. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, whose trust is in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. And yet he is wise and brings disaster. 
He does not call back his words, but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the helpers of those who work iniquity. The Egyptians are man and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretched out his hand, the helper will stumble, and he who is helped will fall, and they will all perish together. For thus says the Lord to me, As a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or daunted by their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill like birds hovering. So the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. Turn to him from whom people have deeply revolted, O children of Israel. For in that day, everyone shall cast away his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which your hands have sinfully made for you. And the Assyrian shall fall by the sword, not of man, and a sword, not of man, shall deliver him. And he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall be put to forced labor. His rock shall pass away in terror, and his officers desert the standard in panic declares the Lord whose fire is in Zion and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. Isaiah returns to the folly of Israel turning their backs upon the Lord to trust in Egypt's soldiers and horses. The Lord will stretch out his hand in war against the Israelite-Egyptian coalition and they will be defeated. The prophet then likens the Lord to a lion intent upon seizing his prey even though the shepherds attempt to protect it. With such intent and ferocity, the Lord will defend Jerusalem and protect her from Assyria. For this reason, Israel must return to the Lord and seek his protection rather than placing their trust in the fleshly army and horses of Egypt. According to Isaiah, the Lord desires to bring success and prosperity to Israel, but they are sabotaging themselves by making alliances with foreign nations, such as Egypt and, earlier on in the narrative, Syria. To save Israel from themselves, the Lord inspires the nation to repentance by afflicting them and revealing the folly of their rivalry and their foreign alliances. Thanks again for joining me on the Medic Exegete podcast. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.